Episode eight. Episode eight, Andrew. A quick one. Thanks for everyone to uh, for watching. What's the podcast called, Andrew? Shirts are off. There we go, boys. Shirts are off. Thanks for everyone who's uh, who's actually took an interest. I think we've got fifty six subscribers. Big up, big numbers. Fifty six subscribers. So it's actually quite nice that people listen. Yeah, and have some kind of value. What we will do is try and get it sorted for Apple Podcasts as well. So <laughs> yeah. Sandbagging it and just having Spotify only. We'll get that sorted. We'll get it sorted. Um, Come on. There's a, there's a different vibe. We're going to start today with a, a question. It's an early one today, Sam. Thanks for coming in nice and early. Yeah, so we're going to break ourselves in with a question as well. Morning, Ted. You're right, bud. So, Desert Island Boys, how does it play out between you? Again, we're against each other by the sounds of it. You can always. Mad. Anyway, so Desert Island would be stranded. How does it play out between you two? Who's surviving? Who would you bring to keep company? You've got one celeb, but one friend to help for this survival to beat each other. I think I'll take it. Me? Me? Should we talk about your car? What's happened this week? Listen, go on then. What's happened with your car? He ain't got no chance on the Desert Island. He ain't got a chance outside the gym with his car on for an hour, locked out of his own car listen, for an hour. Listen, is the car moving now? Yeah, it's on, it, it's on outside. Locked. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that's not how it is you've Listen, got no chance on a desert island don't bag defenders lad that's 12 years of graft though I like the defender can, yeah I like the defender you see how good my posture is at all times I like I the defender I sit like this wherever I go back to the desert island you can't have a defender then you can't have a lot of cars. I'm there. just going to give some context okay. for a good 12 months there was a pipe missing off his car and he was breathing in diesel wondering why he can't breathe 6 months bro a good 6 months Breathing in diesel straight from the engine and into still the mouth. Dominating. And he was still coughing, running after a cane, thinking, why have I got a bad cough all the time? How bad that? Last week, or this week, got locked out of his own defender for an hour whilst it's still running because he couldn't get back in it. What are the chances of him surviving on this <laughs> desert island? Listen. Zero. Listen. You ain't got no help. Let's start again. I've got nowhere to go <laughs> to. Desert Island. Desert Island. I'm not into celebrities. I'm not into celebrities. Not, I don't mean a celebrity. Right, it could be anyone. Right. From, from history, anything. History. From history. Back on history again. Back on the underwater Antarctica. Right. That again in a minute. Underwater worlds. Desert Island. You've seen Castaway. You're bringing Poseidon with you or something. Here. You've seen Castaway. I have. Wilson. So you're bringing Wilson. You're bringing the volleyball. Wilson. Wilson saved the day. No. I'm trying to think. Hey, I need someone fucking edgy. You know what I could do though? I bring Maui, the rock. <laughs> you, do realize this, um, you do realize you're stranded on a desert island. Yeah, I know. I'm going to gonna smoke it. I'm going to smoke you. And you have to survive. I will eat anything. Anything. Surviving I will just, eat your leg. Su- surviving just ain't about eating. Yes, it is. Drinking. But eating mainly. Come on. Wilson. Nah, I would chop Wilson. your leg off and scram that. No drama. I'd have a little crash course in butchery first off my uncle. Go to bone out your leg and go sit in a bit. What if there's nothing? What we'll about me? We'll have ribs for tea. <laughs> Celebrity. We'll have to off you first, lad. I'm going to get the SAS guys in Ant Middleton and all them what are going to come in and save the day. The SAS boys. I'm bringing Mike Chadwick. You mean Gaz Mark? Mike Chadwick can find his way around shit just by smelling the air and that. Gaz Mark will blow you up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Come on. What one, mate? I ain't bringing you. Already there, smoking you I ain't bringing you. Do I bring me? Castile. You just try and smoke Castile. everyone. Just have a go at everyone. Proper cause turmoil in camp. Oh, I know. No. I'm sound anyway, I'm winning. You're not. You're good, man. 
I'm going to win either way. It's debatable. Leave you to decide that. I think yeah. I'm smoking, though. But, right, Andrew, topics today. Topics of the day. So we're looking at how's coaching changed over the last 10 years of us coaching. For example, where we've gone from starting. I know we touched on it in the first episode of where we've been journey-wise. What's changed from styles, what we've trained, etc. We've done a little bit of. How's training changed over the last 10 years? What's come and gone? What's stuck around? There's always fads appearing, whether it's nutrition style, whether it's training style. There's always them appearing. And then how have we changed personally from a work sense, a business-wise and a lifestyle point of view mm. over the last 10 years? Where do you want to touch first? Coaching. So, coaching's really interesting because for those that are listening that are either getting into coaching or that are kind of midway through their coaching or whatever, you're going to understand certain things that we're saying next. I think like there's context throughout. If you're brand new, you're probably going to take something. If you're at the point where we are, you'll probably take something as well. Coaching has changed in a way that, and I don't mean this as an industry, I mean for me personally, and probably for those that have gone through the coaching process, you start off in your coaching career, or most of us, I think, if I could generalise and say that you become very, very obsessed about the fine details of coaching in terms of training, the best training styles, the best sets and reps, the best rest periods, the best program, who should we listen to? Listen to that guy, listen to that girl about developing these things. And then we go really, really deep into nutrition, macronutrients or protein, carbs and fats, micronutrients, what supplements to take that you can increase performance, <coughs> sleep, you need this much vitamin D, you need this much of this, this much of this. And then you go on to... I don't know. Let's go anatomy and physiology because we're still early in our careers right now. We look at the best training. Biomechanical setups and certain... Biomechanical setups. Fitness-wise, this is the amount exact of REM sleep you get, maximising these things. I don't know. Looking at micronutrients, you just go and you really delve into the details of those processes, which I think early on in your career you should do because having an understanding of that is absolutely crucial to your career. But what you realise as you go through your career and as you work with a lot of people, a lot of them things disappear because we've got this thing in place that's called the human brain. And the human brain is a very complex, complicated thing to kind of master where our heads are in the books of like genuine anatomy and physiology books. Like I went on a cadaver course once looking at the body where it's stripped out. I'm looking at all the ligaments and tendons. I'm looking at everything so much in detail. We go on neuroscience courses. We go on all these kind of things. And the more people that you work with, you realize that most of that stuff, it's good to know, but you ain't going to implement that stuff because the human brain, because of habits, because of people are very complex. And all we're trying to do really when it comes to coaching, and this is the part of coaching that, we really need to focus on is human behavior and getting people to adhere to a program, getting some form of consistency. So what's the point in trying to implement a very scientific approach with a nutritional strategy when your clients, they can't even get breakfast on or they can't stop certain habits that are holding them back in their nutrition, I guess, lifestyle or Let's say for training-wise, you've got this unbelievable training program. I remember early doors, we had this uh, Canadian Olympic coach and he got this program out on the uh, on the big screen and he bought, pulled up this Excel sheet. Nitsky. 
It was one of it was Woodski and one of his boys. And it was an absolute minefield of a program. It was sectioned off daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. Mine mapped out. Well, it's a four-year plan because it it goes in a four-year cycle, doesn't it? Because the Olympics, it's in a four-year cycle, and it was the winter games that this guy was doing. I think it was an Olympic skier or a a bobsleigh Mm. uh, athlete, something like that. And the detail in this program was just mind-blowing. It was like a fucking, I don't know, Arky, it was like one of your, I don't know, it's crazy. It was absolutely nuts. Trying to geek Arky out there in the background. Arky's a geek. (laughs) And I was looking at it, and one, I was amazed by the level of detail of the programme, but two, I was like, because it was early on in my career, I was like, where the fuck do I start? Where do I fit in this huge programme? And the good thing about that coach, what he was saying was, he said, this is a four-year training plan. All the way down to the and it, honestly, I was like, "Whoa!" Like, and he said, "But the best part of this program is my razor, is deleting things off the program, not adding to the program." Which was a really insightful comment that he so made. He was basically saying, "We pack it out and then we, we adjust as we move." And why do we have to adjust? Because human <coughs> is involved. There is a human involved. Can't predict what's going to go down. No, and how people are going to react. Things things crop up in a lifestyle sense. So, an athlete might go on holiday. An athlete might get injured. An athlete life might, circumstances might change. Life yeah. circumstances might change. If it's a female, they might have a child. If it's a, if it's a man, their partner might have a child, then he might need to change the goalposts. You know, things crop up so much. And in an athlete's life, most of these things are very predictable because when you look at an athlete, their lifestyle stuff, their habits, they're all locked in. So... You get the high-level Olympic athlete with their habits, with their determination, with their drive, with their consistency, and all them guys are so locked in. They're probably at the peak of the best they could ever be, and you still have to consider their habits. You still have to consider the fact that you might have to change something out. So for us, when we're working with our guys, if we're talking about more of the lifestyle person, those things are exaggerated by 10 because they're not Olympic athletes. Sometimes they need encouraging just to get out of bed and get some steps in. So when we're looking at the coaching side of things, once we've understood the anatomy, the physiology, the nutritional strategies, you know, energy balance, etc. Once you know that, you know that because of the people that we're working with. It's like we understand the principles. Now we really need to focus on understanding people understanding their needs, their drivers, their habits, the reasons why they want to do this fitness thing, their emotional drivers to be healthy. What does it mean to them to be healthy? What even is health to that person? Mm -hmm. Because there is that continuum that we speak about quite often. And it's like, you've got Homer Simpson on this side and you've got Olympic bobsleigh athlete on this side. And it's like, where do you want to be on this continuum of health and performance? And it's our job as coaches to get into the minds of the people and be like, how can we just nudge them this way a little bit? How can we get them a little bit better? You know, improve them just slightly because we know that getting them further down this way is probably going to make them more physical. It's probably going to make them happier in terms of, you know, I don't know, being goal, you know, achieving goals. Obviously, health is important. We're going to try and get them a bit healthier and get them away from the things that are holding them back. So... What's changed mostly for us as coaches, and I guess for those that have been in the game a while, is you focus less on the finer details, unless you're coaching athletes, unless you're down this end, and we try and get into the, the hearts and minds, basically, of those people to try and get them 
moving down the continuum and improve their habits more. So instead of reading books on carbohydrates, yeah. we're now trying to understand people and understand what it means to them to be healthy and try and encourage them and for us to learn more about the human brain and habits more than 20 grams of carbs. That well, I think that's how it plays out. Yeah, also. And I think that's like the big learning curve like we've definitely made in the past and every coach will normally go through. Like you start off with the best intentions with... Like Andy's saying, the courses, the textbooks, reading and over-reading, researching as much as you can all the time. Because you always, straight away, once you've done a course, once you've done anything of this, you come in, your clients are doing that some of that programme, your clients are doing some of these, these, implementing some of these techniques that you've kind of learned. And then what you'll normally find is, you'll look, the client will look back and you'll go, eh, because you've gone too far textbook. Like we talk to our coaches all the time, it's about, you're very good at, obviously, the written side of things. And when you try and relay that message to the Gem Pop, the Homer Simpson, We'll call it that. Mm. They don't have a fucking clue what you're on about. You have to be able to relay these messages of what you've learned into language that people understand because a lot of the people you will coach and a lot of the people you will see don't give a fuck other than getting the end result. Mm. Like We always talk about being married to the process. Not everyone is. No, correct. But you have to obviously try and encourage that and that, that's the ultimate goal for people. And that's, that's how you make massive lifestyle changes with people. You get them to understand the beauty of being married to the process of achieving these goals. <laughs> But in the short term, you are going to get people that are solely focused on that end product, mm. especially if you're in like a transformation kind of process or anything like that. Performance can be slightly different because you're normally getting people that have performed in the past and have done comps in the past. But when it is transformation focused and physique focused, for sure, we've had people in the fact that are just focused on that goal. How do I get there? Sort it. Yeah, they're not actually bothered about how you're doing that a lot of the time. And that's what you've got to be really careful is understanding can you get the message across? And success within this is, I've seen a post the other day by um, Callum from, well, not much, Karen, Karen, fucking hell. Karen. Callum, uh, Callum, Raystrick, fuck me, I'm calling Karen. 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 But yeah, Callum Raystrick put something on, it's like, he spent so much time and energy in courses and, and skilling up and levelling up. His biggest results all came from being in the trenches, as they say, but being amongst clients and getting result after result, and just working with people working over with years. People, working with as people. As soon as you work with people and different kinds of people, don't be wrong. His niche is not a niche. It's a big. It's a big niche. Yeah, it's people getting on stage and getting in unbelievable condition and winning shows. But he still has to understand all the pitfalls that come across this process. Not every one of his guys and girls will be bulletproof and absolutely mm -hmm. nailed on. He'll still have to do life coaching with these people. It's just that the lifestyle is very much directed towards a certain yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah, but he only gets good at that the more and more times he fucks up because he will have fucked up in the past like any coach Same will have. Us, yeah. Any coach will have. But he'll get better from that and moving forward with that. And you can guarantee he probably doesn't fuck up much anymore yeah. because of that. Because you know. Because you know, he yeah. knows how... And it's not even... Some things will, will change on the person. He'll be able to recognise certain behaviours happening and he'll know what to implement straight away. Whereas in the past, it'll be very reactive and be like, fuck, that shit, how this I'll respond. He'll see markers in whatever he tracks and see behaviours developing certain athletes and go right I need to nip that in the bud now I'll be able to move things forward but that all comes with time of fucking up a little bit coaching with as people. many different people as you possibly can and I think that's underrated like we've obviously come from a similar background of we've trained so many different kinds of people from that continuum the homer to the athlete and in between and everything that comes with it but we've spent so many years training them different kinds of people but trying to implement the same kind of process of let's get you to understand that this is a daily lifestyle vibe. Mm. And once you do that over a big amount of time, you feel like you can coach anyone. Yeah, mm. Coaches try and niche down too soon as well, I think. Yeah, I think coaches do niche down too soon. I think, I think the best thing as a coach 
and it's a very cliche comment to make, but it is to build up a toolbox. A coach's toolbox has to be very diverse. So we have to know the ins and outs of the processes, of course. We need to know the nutritional stuff, the training stuff, how to program, of course, that's very, very important. But we also have to start to layer up the experience, like you've just said, working with different people because people are quite complex. So a really good coach is calm. A really good coach doesn't have to scream and shout about their accolades. And a good it's true though, and a, and a good coach has a big enough toolbox to be able to pull out what they need and apply it when they need it to the person in front of them. So this is why we have to get a vast education on most things, but do not forget about human behavior. Do not forget about trying to create a culture for people to fall in line with. Because one of the things that we've seen, especially with the hybrids, is that when you get a bunch of like-minded people, they start to recognize that, ah, oh, he's like I am. She's a bit like me. Mm-hmm. I like the way that this lifestyle is. I like the way that these people talk. I like the way that these people act. And nobody really associates that with improving health improving physical results, getting in shape, getting healthier. But there's a huge section of that where when people come together and they are like-minded and they do see that people live the lifestyle like that, it can change the course of your life and be like, "Ah, okay, I can see that this is the right way to live. I I like this style of thing. So, yeah, as a coach, building that toolbox and, and applying it when you need it in a very calm manner is a very good way to be as a coach get as much understanding as you can about the industry, about the anatomy and physiology, about, of course, the nutritional training strategies, but also understanding people and where they like to be. And like I say, yeah, a good coach will pull out the tool when it's needed, you know. And sometimes that tool is so small to you as a coach. It's just like, I'm just going to ask the person to wake up at the same time every single day. Let's just try 6am every single day. And then you'd be looking at all the other professionals that are digging into the really deep stuff, the real, real deep stuff. And you're like, am I right? Just telling my client here to just wake up at six every day. Is that enough? Or should I get really into the Huberman podcast and figure out how to get into the sleep, figure out dopamine, figure out, figure out serotonin and this, that and the other. It might be applicable at some point, but do not think that the tool that you've just pulled out of waking up at 6am is useless because there is so much of this complex stuff. Pick the right tool for the right person. Just make sure your toolbox keeps getting bigger because the person that walks through the door might need a different tool. That person might need that tool. That person might need that tool. And this is why it's hard as a coach sometimes. You have to kind of ignore... Because you see so much on social media. You see so much of what's going around you and how people are doing certain things. Like You forget, now I'll focus on the way I'm doing my thing. Mm. And the, the hardest thing with that as well is making sure you don't put all your goals and your kind of techniques and your the way you like to do things on your client. Mm-hmm. It's understanding that the client isn't like you at this stage and don't put all the way you'd normally do your work and the way you'd eat, etc. on your client. I just put it all the time. Yeah, but every coach will have. When I feel started off, I'm like, we're all getting big. We're all doing that. We're all having meat we're and all nuts. Up, we're all having meat and nuts for breakfast and you're all getting strong. But because you know it, there's a reason well, there's why doing it. it. Yeah, there's, there's a reason for doing yeah. it. It's just, and I definitely can think back at clients where I've done that kind of vibe, and it's like they look at me going, "What you on about?" Yeah. And that's that's the beauty of this kind of game is when you start out, you, you've got time to make these mistakes. You know. Yeah. It's just how you respond to them, and that's how you get a thicker skin with how you coach people, etc., and getting them to understand the message you're trying to deliver. You just gotta, and we've definitely changed our approach over the last for a while. Obviously, it's like 
let the client not change their life too much too soon. Yeah. Just like you just said, just get up at this time. The problem people make is they go, right, we're changing this, 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 and this in week one. Yeah. Week one will go fine. Week two, all hell breaks loose and they have a clue what's going on in life. Just change bit by bit by bit all the yeah. time. That's how you kind of change people and how you change people for the better. You know, it's so funny, like, when I look back at my early days of being a coach, I was so adamant and one-track minded that this is <coughs> what you do because of this. It's almost like the more knowledge that I've gained, the more that I know, the quieter I've become and the less, I'm going to say, I'm going to say pushy, but the less I'm like, do it this way, do it that way, and that's it. It's like, the more I know, the less I speak, the quieter I get, and it's like, hmm, I'm just going to slow down and think a little bit before I give this person some information, because I know that there is several ways to achieve this that I'm going to get with this person. It's not just meat, nuts, and German volume oil. training and olive oil. <laughs> there could be other ways that might suit this person way, way better. To still it's, get to the same end Yeah, point. it's yeah. like, I used to be so noisy back in the early days of, do this, shout, they blah, 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 let's go, go, go. And now it's just like, my coaching from, it's almost like, I, I always have laugh, like my coaching has got worse because I give less. But giving less isn't always, well, giving less well, isn't worse. What it's does, just giving, like, what does just, giving less do to these people? They actually get some autonomy and they understand how yeah. to fucking do things themselves. Correct. Like when you're in that first mode of being, let's fucking do this. Like you are telling them exactly what to do day in, day out. They don't have a fucking clue why. Yeah, it's like I created a cult. It's like there's a yeah. cult. We're going to do meeting nuts and Andy says GBT and that is it. And then, but the thing is, what's funny about that, people gather. People yeah. come to you because it suits their narrative at that time. Yeah, yeah. But there is way more options. Yeah. Karen, do, does does she need does she need blue light blockers yet? No. Definitely not. Does she need to measure her HRV? No. no. Does she need to measure her blood glucose? Well, maybe, but, you know, but the, the, yeah, tools, but no. are, the tools are there. The tools are there for a reason. And you know what? Let's be completely honest. Let's be completely honest. When we get to sandbag a fad, what does it do to us? It pushes our profiles up, right? We get to make a bit of noise about it. We get to scream and shout a bit about yeah. it. Oh, have you seen these lads there blagging? We're, just push we're all pushing the same game. Let's be completely honest. We're pushing the same game. We'll start to blue light blockers of shit. HIV. Come on, we're just making some noise, right? We're suiting our narrative. We're suiting yeah. our narrative too. But if we're being honest, it's an additional thing for the toolbox for when it's needed. Is hate measuring your heart rate a bad thing? No. Is it applicable right now? Probably not in most cases. Same with blue light blockers. Could it change somebody's life? I do believe it could change somebody's life. At it's that time, yeah. after a load of things, because... If we're getting somebody that's only eating once a day or they're overeating, they're going to bed at 12 o'clock at night, they're caffeined out of their mind, they're stressed, they're drinking a lot, okay. you know, they're drinking a lot, they've got some real issues going. Putting a blue light blockers on is not going to change your life. But if you've got somebody at a stage where they've ticked off a lot of boxes, they are health conscious, they're health seeking, They've got a good few habits in place that are consistent, not just for a day or two. They've been doing it now for six months and they find that they're in a good routine and that they work from maybe say 6 p.m. till 9 p.m. Okay, put some blue light blockers on between 6 and 9 and let's just see if your sleep improves. I can get down. Is that going to help? 
Probably the it's glasses gonna that people use purely for laptop work at night time. That's what I can get down with. It's when you're getting people chilling at home all evening when they're not actually doing anything other than chilling on the couch with blue light blockers and then banging on about it as if it's mm. like life saving. It ain't prop. It's true. And you know, these we'll call them the fads. I just call well yeah, they are they are fads and they're a fad. They're like the cherries on top. They're a they? fad. We we calling them fads. They're not fads. But they're not. We call them fads because people use them to push their narrative and to make sales yeah. and to bring people as part of their culture. Cult. Yeah? They're bringing them into their circle. Why? Because they found a way to use this tool to bring more people in to suit their narrative, which is fine, but we have to be very transparent about the tool that they're using. I remember when the the, uh, the glute bands became a huge thing, right? The booty bands were... Big up the crab walk. Big up the crab walks. The booty bands were a huge, huge fad. And guess what? Coaches sold a lot of booty plans off the back of it. Coaches sold booty bands off the back of it. Is that a problem? Absolutely not. Is it a tool that can be used to activate glutes and to get some... To act- yes, it is a good use. It's such a small part of training. It's, it, is. it is. But out of your training program, how much are you going to use the band? A very small percentage, maybe t- not even 10% of your program would be bands. But I've they- seen someone with triple banded up the other day on Insta. Crazy. Triple banded. Crazy. Ankles and that. Crazy. That's, and that's, that's the booty band thing, right? But people have used it, coaches have used it to make some sales, to bring people into their narrative and to, ma- and to make money off it. Like, is that a bad thing? Not really, but just, it's like there's a, there is a reason for that band. Let's use it for its reason. But it's no different to us pushing our narrative to create the vibe that we're trying to create. And Less to bring- sleep, more caffeine, <laughs> more training. More overtraining, <laughs> more injuries. Always sore. More injuries. But fads are only fads when fight they get... Fight. Yeah, fads are only fads when they get abused by the wrong people that try and push it so, so hard down people's necks that they don't just add it to a tool to their toolbox like we're saying as a coach. Do we use a band? Yeah, I'll use a band now and again. I'll if use, it's applicable to if, what if, we're doing. If it's yeah. needed for the person in front it, of me. The point we're making is it's not 90% of our session. It's of probably used as pre-op. Mm. Maximal, really. Well, looking at resting heart rate, as you get fitter, you know, you're getting fitter and fitter and fitter. I like to see it come down, though. Yeah, buzz when, when your body weight is light, when you're flying with your runs, when you, it's like... There's something good about okay, having I'm a gold face, a really low resting heart rate, <laughs> yeah. and looking like a bag of dicks. Like, it's a great vibe. But it's when people start marrying performance and, and the way they feel on a daily basis to what the number says on the watch, because there's so much variability in these watches. Yeah. Yeah, people look at the HRV and things like, oh, you know what, I can't train now for three days. That's mm. it. It's like, mm, you probably can. There's other factors that are going to dictate exactly. where this number goes. Exactly that, yeah. Like, I, I, I often find that mine is so skewed with the amount of caffeine I have. And I will often go off feel. Like, when it comes to taking a true rest day where nothing happens, I will know it's coming. You kind of know how you're feeling in your body. You know where your numbers are. You know how you feel when you train. Like, we've been doing it that long is... You'll know in a session, you know what, I probably need a fucking day off here because that was absolutely shit. But you're still trained, yeah? And it's people don't even get to that point of understanding how the body feels. They're just going, no, 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 the watch says. I mean, sometimes I think we've done like a 10K and your watch says, right, take 72 hours off. It's like, no. Yeah, I've just no done a 10K. Lad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a chance. You know what I mean? And it's, it's how much do you want to dive into believing the numbers are bang on because they're not always perfect. Yeah. That's the hardest thing. <clears throat> And I always just look at the individual me. And I look at the priorities of the individual. This is why, like I say, a good coach will always do this. It's like, let the person bring it to the table, right? I really want to try this, this, and this. Andy, I want to track my heart rate. I want to track this, and I want to track this. Okay, that's fine. I'm not going to sandbag it just yet. 
But is that information going to be accurate when we've got your sleep out of whack, you've not maintained a good calorie intake, and you've not really nailed down a decent program for like a month. You've only trained maybe, I don't know, 60% of your training program this month. So let's just look at those things first. Is it really applicable? And a good coach can have this conversation. I'm not going to tell you that these things are shit right now because they are useful at some point. So should we get your training to 99% first and get all these other things in line first before we then start to think about all the other tools that we've got to our hand? Now on the flip side, for me personally, for example, let's just say my supplementation, let's just say I'm gonna take my D3, I'm gonna take my magnesium, that then puts me in a better position nutritionally. I eat better if I take my supplements, okay? So a good coach might, knowing the person in front of them, might just implement one of these tools to increase their consistency with the foundations. Do you understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So, so for me, Andy, just take your D3, just take your magnesium and all that lot. And guess what? As a byproduct, my foundation habits get better. So a good coach would look at somebody and they would go, do you know what, right? I see a little gap there. If I just get them to track their sleep, that's really not that important to them at the minute. It's actually not that important to them at the moment because there's all these 10 other things that are a priority. But if I get them to just focus on one of these little shiny tools, let's just say sleep or heart rate, heart rate, focus on the heart rate, guess what they start to do? They start to increase their consistency with the foundational things, like their training, like their nutrition. So it's a balance of like, should we use the fads? Should we use these tools that are not useful yet in this person's, I would say, like lifestyle at the moment? But if we just get them to focus on one of these things, does it improve the foundations and does it improve the stuff that really, really matters? Because it's a strange psychology with a lot of people. It's like they really are invested in some of these things that aren't useful yet. But if we did get them to track one of them, it increases their foundational things. It does actually make them eat better. Mm. It does make them train better and it does actually make them do all the consistent things which really matter. So a good coach will be able to do that. A good coach can do that. Some people will just sandbag the thing and say, no, it's pointless. Other people will say, you should only focus on the thing because that's the data and that's what matters. A good coach will use the tool as and when it's needed and sometimes say, do you know what? Just take your D3 at 9 p.m. every single night and then guess what? Overall net habits increase because of that. They Oh, all of a sudden they're eating better. All of a sudden their training has gone from 60% to 80%. Why? Because I've told them to take D3 at 9 p.m. at night and everything else has matters. So what is it that's done it? Well, no, we know that it's the foundations that are gonna get them better. D3 at 9 p.m., okay, it's this, it's yeah, this so much in the good, but you've just told them to do this and guess what's happened, all the other stuff has come about. So that's how coaching develops that. So what a good coaching mind can do is, you is figure what? them things out. I think figuring things out over the years is the way we probably speak to these clients as well. And that we, we spoke about earlier in this where it's like, no, how you get your message across is one, but then also trigger points for people. I know I've got certain trigger points. You've used one, one on me in the past. Not that sick. Yeah. Going back to that one. But understanding people, understanding what makes people tick. And this is one thing where I think, obviously, AI is massive. 
this is one thing where it may never get into, is understanding the person in front of you completely. And this comes with a long kind of period of coaching. Never normally do this kind of method with someone you've coached for two months. No. This comes in with someone you've trained for years. Of course, yeah. yeah. We have clients we've trained for years, we have clients we've trained since we started. And these are the people you can use these methods with. And it's sometimes a simple message of shut the fuck up and get on with it. <laughs> but it's, it's little things like that and people think, oh, you can't say that to a client. It's like, you fucking can. Mm. Like there's the way he'll talk to me, obviously he's a bit different. But there's a way you'll be able to tap into me compared to, and we'll do that with our clients as well. And it can be a simple message of shut the fuck up, grab your balls and get on with the session. Mm. And it's that's one kind of personal touch that no, I'm not asked, you will never be able to conquer. Because it's understanding at what point in time of this coaching journey with someone you can really get into and really tap into the mindset and think, you know what, I'm going to fucking turn your screws a little bit and push you. Because it's not going to damage the relationship. You've had eight years of work prior. That means you've got plenty of credit in the bank to really push someone's buttons. Yeah. But they'll understand that you're pushing these buttons for the right reason. Now, coaches don't take this and go after two months with a client start going yeah, and pussy go, and all this kind of stuff. Is, yeah. Like It's understanding what, per- what the person is like, what the personality is like. That for some people may crumble them. For some people, they might might buzz off it. Do you know what I mean? It's understanding the person in front of you, and this is key in, as part of a coaching journey. And this is why we've coached so many people. Is understanding everyone is fucking different, and they've got completely different buttons to press at different times, etc. And it's understanding that person in front of you to be able to really manipulate them in a positive way, and impo- manipulate their mindset to be able to achieve something. Mad. Correct. Yeah. That's the key thing. And you know, the coaching journey, like as a client. You know, because you've not developed that relationship with them, you have the consultation, you sit down, we talk about what we can do for you, why you want to achieve the things that you do. So in the initial first couple of months, it is quite data habitual driven. It is, can we get these things? It's figuring out where on that continuum we can put you. Okay, are you willing to do this, this and this? Can you sustain this, this and this for a period of time? And it's almost like filtering out all the good and bad habits and trying to establish a baseline of, can we do these kind of things? And then over time, as you get to know the person, you start to talk to them a little bit, you start to understand their life a nice. little bit, understand them a little bit. We try and do that in the early stages. Of course, we have questionnaires, we have open conversations. Why do you want to do these things? What does it mean to you to, to get these results? So you kind of get a little bit of a background, but not everybody opens up early doors and not everybody really tells you the real reasons that they want to do things. So over time, once you've established a good baseline, you've filtered through these things, you've got a good like habitual baseline, you've got some good training stuff going on. Over time, you then can really delve into what we're saying here and like understand the person in front of you and understand the characteristics of the things you can and can't say to give them a little bit of a boost if they need it. And really just understand where they're at and where they want to take it because not every single person wants to take it as far as we take ours. Mm. Some people are happy with this, and that's cool. Our job as a coach is to get them to this, create autonomy, make sure that they can live that lifestyle for the rest of their life. Other people's real want to push hard. Okay, okay. What's well, next? What's next? Well, let's What's give next? let's yeah. give you that, and let's really figure out why, and let's and let's get into that. And this this is why we love coaching, is it? This is why we love what we do, and why our coaching has changed over the years of being from just do this to actually there's a whole bunch of stuff that we can use as and when we need it, and develop the tools that we need. But you know, as like obviously now it's it's a little bit different for us. Like I'm not as hands on coaching and stuff like that. Like we're focusing on developing the business and trying to grow the businesses so that we can do this to a bigger audience, so that we can provide this level of coaching and give these people more people this kind of feeling and this kind of level of I guess, you know, lifestyle that we 
Do you know what I feel like? It's a big pitfall, especially for young coaches, and, and we've definitely made the mistake is becoming too pally with your clients. Because when, when these clients do have big goals and it really, the crunch comes and you really need to have sometimes a hard conversation, whether it's someone getting absolutely shredded, you need to have a bit of a hard conversation so you're fucking sandbagging it. Like, you don't want to because they're your mate. Like, it's, in, it's a really hard balance with, with personal training, with coaching online, etc. And you overstep the marker of being a client to becoming a mate, which is great. And like, we've got mates we've had from coaching course, and yeah. we've got close to people over the years, etc. which is buzzing. But when, from a coaching standpoint, is it the best thing all the time? It can be a negative being too pally with people. And we've seen it all the time with coaches where they try and use that in a sense of, I'll become your mate and I'll keep you for a client longer. That, that's the big danger and that's what you definitely do see. Not And you've not necessarily got the client's best interest at heart, you've got your bank account at heart. Correct. Which is definitely seen a lot. Mm. Like your goal ultimately isn't to be their best mate, yeah, that comes naturally because you sometimes you spend a lot of time with these people, they train with you extra, etc., which is sweet. We love that. But you've got to make sure when it comes to it, you can have a hard conversation and tell them you need to do X and Y to get this process done. And you know the very best thing to keep that balance? It's doing the process yourself. So the best way, the best advice I can give with this, if, if there's coaches out there that are just trying to be dead, dead pally and you're letting your clients get away with certain things and you can't have them tough conversations, there is a deal that I have with myself and with my clients and I know Danny has the same. Because we do the things ourselves, there are certain things that we do not compromise on and there are certain things where we can be friends. So for my clients that I've had for a lot of years and I still do have one or two where it's just like, we are almost like, so good friends, we go out, we have a beer together. Yeah. They come to the house, they see Freya. You know, like Mayak, for example, he's been with me for years and years and years. You know, he's part of my family, <coughs> he is part of the family. So, but there's one thing that I can't let slip because I don't let myself slip. I show up and I train hard. I, I take control of my diet. I take control of the variables that are needed for me to get results. And my clients know that. I'm gonna be your friend, we can be friends. But because I hold myself to a high standard, I can't let you down. Mm. I can't let you down and let them standard slip because I don't for myself. So why would I let you? So why would I let you? It's like, I'm going to train hard consistently. I do not care. We are showing up. We are going to give it a good smack. This is how it's going to go. And when we need to lose a bit of weight, guess what? I'm, we're going to lose some weight. And guess what? We need to gain some weight. We're going to gain some weight. I'm not less of a friend. It doesn't mean that I'm you know, more of a friend or less of a friend, these are the variables because I track them myself. So you're my best friend now, and because you're my best friend and I care for you that much, you're, doing the, the same thing. you're gonna do the same thing. Why? Because it's not just about the friendship that I'm bothered about, I'm bothered about you progressing as a person, I'm bothered about you getting the results that you want. So clients, you are friends, part of the family a lot of the time over the years, like we've said, but guess what? You're gonna understand that I hold myself to these standards and you are going to too. And that way you can keep that business relationship going if that's the case. If your clients are still paying you and you're really, really pally, we'll show them that you don't give up on your own standards. And this is how you can have that really good balance of my clients still get results and we hold them to a high standard, but we can be friends and we can go out for a beer. You can come over and see, you know, come over and see Freya. We'll have a nice Sunday roast, whatever. But you understand what this deal is. These are the things that we are going for. And we can still be friends too, you know. And you know what I think change, obviously we'll talk a bit on, someone's asked about like lifestyle changes, how we've changed over the years. And I think this is why we've done so well with so many different people is we weren't hell bent on being the next millionaire at 21, like mm -hmm. some of these coaches are now. Like you'll see on Instagram, all the coaches who are like low 20s, 
right, right, I'm going to move to Dubai, I'm going to tax free, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. They've experienced that absolutely fuck all in life, early doors. They come straight out of college, straight into PT and, and trying to tell people who are 40 odd how to live the life and how to kind of manage the diary and how to look after kids and that. And it's like, yeah, you're not the same. Like, yeah. you've got to understand, like, I've had it in the past and you've definitely had it in the past as well. When you're talking to these managing directors of these companies and you're like young 20s and you're trying to tell them how to live the life, they're I, looking at I going, did it. Shut up, lad. I did it. What do you know? And it, you've just got to remember where your role is and like, the big part of us when we first started the journey, we used to go out every two weeks to Venus till seven in the morning. Hell no. Like every week. But you can guarantee we'd come and work on Monday. Bit probably edgy, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were ready to work and ready to do a massive week of coaching people and just getting straight back into it. Consistency levels is unbelievable. Yeah. To go from Venus to that, is <laughs> yeah. and Zach's still in there. <laughs> but that the difference is like, we've experienced being out on piss all the time. We've experienced that and then still training. And this is the big missing part of what people think is they can't have both. I mean, you can have both. You've got to understand the results dwindle a little bit and they don't go as far. It's only as we've got older that we've started to tap into, no, we want to make, do you this for our business. We want to go out. further yeah, on in business, etc. Like, as a young coach, don't get married to the fact that you're going to be a millionaire by 25. Like, chill. You, yeah, for us, and like, you've got to think about the bigger picture. Like, if you really love your craft, if you really love the industry, Spend time getting good. Just spend some time learning the craft, understanding the whole business thing, understanding the whole getting results thing. Make sure that you do love the process of actual coaching. You know, as as time goes on, it's transitioning into, it's almost like a marketing... Uh, Social I'm, media I'm, before coaching. It, it's, a, it's a marketing battle before it is a, a, a perfection of the craft, okay? You know what, before Josh put one on yesterday, about how it's, everything's 30 second reels now. You can't actually get the context of the message he's trying to say. So sometimes you need to look at the long form content of what's actually being said yeah. to understand actually what's going on. What's going on Because yeah, everything's correct. 20 seconds instant, kind of mm. just get something quick done. And it's fucking bullshit. Yeah. I guess it's, it's a battle of attention now rather yeah. than a battle of perfecting craft, you know, which is why I encourage, and you can't get away from that. And I'm not saying that we should get away from that because we're all battling out for the same thing, right? We do want to grab attention, and it is an attention game right now. We do want to grab attention, and there's obviously tools and, and ways to do that through marketing, etc. of what we're trying to do here. But once you've got the attention, make sure that you've got substance to back it up as a coach. Make sure that you have got some very good knowledge. Understand the game, because as we get older, like forget about business. As you get older, you want to have at least learned something about your craft. You yeah. want to at least have developed some good substance that you can then pass on to others, whether that's your kids, whether that's the business people or whoever, you actually do want to get good at your craft and make sure that you do understand how to do these things, not just how to grab attention. So perfect your, the hierarchy perfect of courses now is social media first, education last. Yeah. And that's the way it's kind of changing. And that's what needs to kind of change back again. Because Yeah, just make sure you perfect your craft. Before we had loads of social media to advertise, we were still busy PTs, we were still full. Yeah. But because the education system there and the actual the way we're doing things was still top notch, Correct. and it's not changed. It's just that we're dinosaurs compared to someone. So <laughs> it yeah. doesn't help. Just make sure that we're perfecting craft, yeah. you know, and then get the good people around you to to get the attention and, and grab the 
you know, grab your attention. Let's get the views, baby. Get the views and stuff. No, because it does matter, doesn't it? Like, we, we can't deny the fact that that no, doesn't matter. James we're all trying to grab the attention. Why? To sell our narrative and to push business. Like, we know that that's the case. Mm. But just as coaches, don't forget the craft and don't forget that actually back it up with some substance that will last longer than a 20-second reel. Big up the 20-second reels. Andrew, so what transitioning. Else? We've had a little... Obviously, we've talked about it in the first episode. We talked about how we've gone from PT to gym owners, etc. Was that always the destined path of what you wanted to do from maybe leaving school? What did you start on wanting to do? No, this question. Basically, we got told that we didn't really dive into it enough of what we've done over the years and what we wanted to do. Did our goals change? Do they change as the years go by? How did they change? Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, when I was growing up, I was always into sport and stuff like that. Like, I always wanted to be the military guy. Like, I, you know, I joined the military. I was like, I want to be this guy. Um, just because that lifestyle suited me. I don't know why. It just that discipline and all that kind of life really suited me. You know, and I thought I could express e- express that in, in the military format. It was always something formal. Yeah, so for me, it was always about the military. And then when I got there, it was like, I see these people and I'm like, I really like a lot about what they do. I like what what it represents but long term I knew that I didn't want to be like these people mm. I knew that I seen more I had more of myself I seen more of myself and and you know more of I guess I didn't want to go down that route long term you know it satisfied a need early doors and it was just an expression of myself that I wanted to ex, you know express by being a military very routine very disciplined I like I love that whole idea but when I actually got there it was like Do you know what I can see where these guys are in their 30s and in their 40s you know and it's like you've not actually got what I want you know what I wanted early doors was discipline power like power power you know I, I was craving that kind of thing but when I looked deeper into it and you're looking at the people around it's like wait a second you're 40 years old not that this is sandbagging anyone, it just didn't suit me, right? You know, you're 40 years old, you know, the family isn't really together too much, like, there's things that aren't what I thought it would have been longer term, mm. so that changed for me, and and this is why I got into coaching, and very, very luckily, and I say it every time, I was fortunate enough to go to ProFit, EasyFit at the time, and I say this every time, because Steen Graham at that time for me was such a positive influence in my in my career and they really satisfied my need of growth, power, uh, what, what do you want to call it? Just just growth and becoming something. I wanted to just become something mm. and, you know, and really set the stall out early doors and try and leave or try and build, just build this huge thing and, and be proud of a huge thing. And luckily, um, Steve Graham really opened the doors for me for that, especially Graham, you know, we had a similar kind of, I guess upbringing similar kind of background and I was looking at Graham and thinking fuck me this guy here and he really showed me the way of how to like grow as a business and, and you know he really changed my mindset of a very narrow minded uh, young man into opening up the doors and like really opening my mind to I guess what career I can have and what kind more, more importantly what kind of man and what kind of person I can become that was always something that Graham really showed me there was Andy you don't have to uh, I remember him saying it, you don't have to express yourself in this manner. <laughs> okay. You don't need to express yourself in this manner of craving strength, power, uh, authority, discipline. You can actually show it in yes, this. You can actually show it in this way. Um, 
so I'm forever grateful for that you know and that's what's led me to I guess more growth and wanting to build a team and wanting to grow the businesses and I feel like we're still just scratching the surface but so I, know, I, know, I know exactly why I'm doing it I know exactly what it means to me to be able to do this so I know that this is the uh, this is the path what about yourself I, I from straight from uni I was doing an internship at Everton um, in my last year so I was basically spending most of my days at Everton basically riding my bike at six in the morning to Everton then going back to uni coming back etc so I was interning with the first team reserves etc and obviously through the academy so I did that for a full year for about 900 quid vibe grinding yeah. big dog Fully big dog but honestly the quickest day of work it weren't even work it was like lads club but the quickest day I've ever spent in a place ridiculous I'd get there in the morning for half five training the gym in the morning yeah, because they had a mint set up there at Finch Farm. Then I'd go about the normal duties of what I need to do from a sports science intern. Yeah, I'd spend the day getting pinged balls out with a GPS antenna on the pitch, etc. And then do all that data for no one to be really asked about data. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's be honest, the data got put on someone's desk and it didn't get looked at because I've seen it the day after still there, under wherever I'd left it. So you know it's it's part of the process of what, what they do, but it's not the, like, the be-all and end-all. And then... I spent a full year and I had about a crossroads of I either do a master's and I could have stayed on and become my first team intern and be there all year and work in a bit more hands-on role again or obviously come and join the lads at Profit and I preferred that option purely because I'd seen the lads and the guys and girls working there for years in the same process and it is a full-time seven-day-a-week slog all the time on the same process. Don't be wrong, the days are rapid before you know it, it's dark again but is that going to progress where I want to get to? And like Andy said, the bigger picture. And I'll be honest, I didn't really know exactly where I wanted to take coaching in general by the age of fucking, I reckon, at least three, four years into profit. Yeah. Before you really realise, all oh, right, this is where I can probably take it. And then you start thinking, do I want my own place eventually, etc. Yeah. And then you start looking at the bigger picture. And it takes a while to understand where you want to go with it. I mean, for the first three years at profit, none of us online coached. It was solely one-to-one PT, gym floor. Mm. There was... Online coaching wasn't that massive then because there wasn't the Instagram, there wasn't the social media platforms when we started coaching to be able to do that. So it was very much, you have your clients and maybe one or two word of mouthers and it's definitely yeah. not on like Kahuna's vibe that it is now. Do you know what I mean, it's, it's so archaic from what it is now. And it took, it took a while for me to understand where I wanted to take things business-wise. Yeah, I think, I think we're in the same boat. Like, and this is an interesting thing where we was just doing the thing that we loved, that we really loved, helping people out get like just enjoying the day-to-day stuff just really enjoying coaching really enjoying learning and guess what over time things progress it's when you don't start to enjoy things that you start to start to think about all oh, this or that, i don't know you know you start to come a bit of internal turmoil but we just loved what we was doing and it progresses and opportunities and doors open because of that i think if we wasn't well it's obvious isn't it if we wasn't happy doing what we was doing we would then be trying to figure out what was next but what came first was the love and the enjoyment of what we was doing and now look and now we're thinking about opening more gyms now we've got right okay this is the next logical step let's do this let's help more people out let's try and open up a facility let's try get two let's try get three let's try and access more people and show them what this life is about and you know what what people don't realize is until covid it we were still doing like 40 hour weeks of pt minimum and that was like a minimum standard in the gym and it, that means spending most of your day here, all day, every day. It's not the warmest place in the world. It's cold. It's cold. But it is being in and out. Sometimes you'd have six, seven sessions back to back. 
yeah, and understanding, and this is a key thing for coaches as well, is understanding that you can't be the same person for all seven people. You can, in a sense of where your moral compass is and where your standards are, but you've got to understand, like we spoke about human behaviour, how you speak to Karen compared to Dave, compared to this person, is completely different, depending on are they a mum, are they this, are they that, etc., and the way you kind of go about it. And when you're in your mid-twenties, you don't really know that skill too well. And this is where the, the biggest problem people face is they try and niche down, which is great, and they, they focus on certain people, but they don't have the skills to cope with loads of different people within that niche. Because if you want to get shredded, it's not just 22-year-old men looking to get shredded. There's a big population of people who aren't necessarily the norm who are trying to get to that goal. So when you do get these different clients who come in, like we've had so many different people getting unbelievable shape with completely different backgrounds and completely different lifestyle factors. But it's only from years and years of doing six, seven sessions back to back, having the work tolerance to look after these sessions and look after all the admin that comes with it, yeah, for years on end. The only reason we do that, for sure, monetary gain, yeah, but because we fucking love doing it, otherwise we wouldn't just keep coaching forever. Yeah, and you build the skills. Question. Andrew. Can you skip all of that and still become successful? As what? An online coach? Yeah. There's one man who's done it, JP. He's never, he, he put it on the other day. He's got zero experience coaching gem pop one-to-one, yeah. zero. But online, yeah. man's bank balance is big, bro. Man's bank balance is big, you know. I, I always think, like, should you skip? I, I don't feel like, I don't want to be sat here, me, like them old fellas going, we need work in trenches, bro. I don't, it doesn't need to be that way. Do you need to bang out 10 sessions a day, nah. every single day, to get absolutely skilled out of your mind? No, things are different now. Things are definitely different now, and we shouldn't marry the way we did it of how the next gen should do it. Yeah. However, however, we should make sure that we encourage, and that you guys that are listening, that you still perfect your craft, see many different people, listen to many different people and, and, and build your craft and build your business from the real stuff that matters. If you want to be a coach, that is. Otherwise, get into the marketing side of things, help people grow on a marketing scale because that's what's changed massively. People that started off as PTs now naturally help other PTs with their marketing and yeah, advertising, which is fine as well. That's a different career though. But if it's, if it's coaching that you're passionate about, try not to skip the trenches. Try not to skip seeing different kinds of clients and understanding how they tick and trying to implement the toolbox that we spoke about and put in the tools to that kind of person mm. because we genuinely believe that that stuff really does have some substance later on. Once you have got the marketing stuff and it goes bang, you know exactly what you're doing. You've got a good thing behind it that you can actually churn out good results and understand people. And it's normally from a client base that's been retained. Correct, yeah. Not a client base that comes in for a month, goes out for a month, and that's how they generate the numbers and keep things high, a massive turnover. The vast majority of our online clients have been with us for a long time. Mm. Yeah, the, the normal average lifespan is easily a year and above. You know what I mean? And the reason for that is, is you retain these clients with the knowledge of the wealth of knowledge you've got and understanding how to coach and speak to these people on a weekly basis. So many people become just numbers driven. This person's done, this is where the scale weight is, this is where the numbers are from, from an output point of view. Do this this week. Zero coaching other than here's your numbers crack on. Mm. Yeah, and that's where coaching's got to be a little bit different. If you are looking for longevity within the game, yeah, and understanding people and getting really good results over periods of time, the amount of clients you'll see off us is it's not just a 12 week year, let's get shredded. There's the 12 week, 16 week prep or whatever they do. Then there's the aftermath. Then there's the next one. Then, then there's the next then goal. Year, then then there's this year. one. Yeah. And because, these, there's, no, there's no game, guessing yeah, yeah. games. Yeah. yeah. 
Correct. Like, and that, that just takes a big period of time understanding these people on, on a personal level to understand how you can actually coach these people. Mm. And that's where the biggest thing that people are missing is understanding the person, actually spending time getting to know them, not just throwing numbers at people, which anyone can fucking do. Correct. Lovely.